0: The Human Communication Playbook. So thank you. If you have downloaded the Human Communication Playbook, thanks a lot. It's out. It's available. And currently, as I am testing it, the alpha copy of the Human Communication Playbook out in the public. It's free. If you haven't got a copy yet, then... Connect with me on LinkedIn, Graham Brown, and just ask for a copy of the Human Communication Playbook. Happy to give you a PDF. It's about 260 pages long. And as it's quite long, you probably haven't read every single page yet. So help is needed. And I'm going to give you just a quick summary of what it's about so you can understand. Effectively, the most important page in the Human Communication Playbook is page nine, One Brick. As it reads, one brick, you can lay one brick, or build a wall, or build the Sistine Chapel. Same brick, same brick layer, same action, but different outcome. And this story contains all you need to know about storytelling. Everything else in the human communication playbook is almost a footnote. So what are we talking about? Well... A lot of people think storytelling is once upon a time. Little Red Riding Hood, Three Little Pigs, all of those fairy tales that we learn as kids. And indeed, that's a type of storytelling. And it's also something that we all have grown up with. Every culture has their variants of it. Every culture has stories. But where the drop-off occurs, the chasm between childhood stories and stories in business is the understanding of what exactly stories are we tend to think stories are some kind of fairy tale that it doesn't belong in business and yet if we were to look at all the great business communicators they were indeed also the best storytellers now in the human communication playbook there are a number of examples of steve jobs's stories And this wasn't the story of Steve Jobs. It was more the stories told by Steve Jobs. There's a great example in the Human Communication Playbook about how Steve Jobs communicates to Cupertino City Council when he needs to build a bigger campus for Apple. The narrative framework used by Steve Jobs in pitching to the council is extremely effective it's almost like a jedi mind trick read it in the book and the good news is that you don't have to be steve jobs to be a steve jobs level storyteller you just have to use the narrative frameworks that steve jobs is using meaning there are tools out there i e narrative frameworks which have existed not for 10 or even a hundred years but thousands of years in human consciousness and society and these narrative frameworks work it's the reason why Avengers Endgame was the best-selling movie of all time three billion dollars in box office sales was it the best movie plot line of all time no it's the same movie plot line as Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and even Wizard of Oz. And that's okay. And one of the key takeaways from the book that I would like to impress upon you is this idea that you don't have to tell amazing stories to influence people. You simply have to tell stories that we already know. Now, one of the reasons is, is because it's a very noisy world out there. You've taken 10 minutes out of your day to listen to this podcast. That's an opportunity cost. You could be doing something else. I read now, and I think the fact, the stat is in the book, that the average person unlocks their phone 110 times a day. We are in a world flooded with data. IBM says that we have created more data in the last two years than in our our entire history. Think about that. Data overload. These words, dark data, is real. Data lakes. That talks about these vast stores of unused dark data on corporate servers. Billions of Billions of data sets collected about people, who they are, what they do, what they're doing now, what they buy, where they travel to, who they know, what foods they like, everything is there. And yet, we're not using it effectively. And one of the reasons is, is we're just overwhelmed with data. We don't know what to do. There's so much grabbing, pulling at our attention. And look at that word attention. It comes from the Latin tendere, tendere, the same root, etymological root that we use to talk about tendons, tendons, the stretched part of the muscle, the same as attention. And when we talk about attention, pay attention to how we talk about it pay attention. There's no coincidence that when we talk about attention, we pay. So we have to pay to listen to your message, pay to listen to your story, pay to listen to your pitch, pay to listen to your new product launch. It's not free. And in fact, attention today, in business-to-business communication at least, is your biggest cost. In the human brain, there is a mechanism called the thalamus, which sits deep inside your human brain. And we don't really know what it's doing, why it's there. And in fact, the thalamus is probably one of the inherited functions of the human brain from our lizard reptilian days. It's still there. The thalamus is what And the amygdala is what we need to respond to imminent threats, fears, objects coming at us very fast. It's why if you look at the media today, it's full of fear and threat and scared about brown people or scared about people who don't look like us or scared about something we don't understand or scared about Chinese people. That is the media scared about something and it works because the media spikes the thalamus and the amygdala inside our brain because we are in our very essence no different from those lizards that scurried around the world millions of years ago that's us we've inherited that architecture and we still think like that So when it comes to operating in a very noisy world, we have to make very conscious decisions about what we will pay attention to and what we will ignore. So if you're throwing a lot of data at somebody, chances are they won't pay attention to it. And the reason they won't pay attention to it is because there's a lot of stuff out there asking, grabbing, demanding our attention. Naked data is data presented to the world without any clothes on it's not very appealing it's like a naked hairy man asking for you to pay attention to him you don't want to look but it's there that is how a lot of us present data it's without emotion and that naked hairy man visual is probably unfortunately in your head right now and that's the point because as Maya Angelou once wrote people will always forget what you told them but they will always remember how you made them feel and this is our challenge folks that today we have to connect with people in a meaningful way and to do that we need emotion and the greatest way to convey emotion is through story because if you're conveying naked data to people you might as well be invisible. You're going to get ignored. It's an API. The thalamus inside the brain is an API that exists to gate out information because there is just too much information out there. 95% of all the information absorbed at any one time is ignored. The 5%, what do we pay attention to? We pay attention to the narratives we already understand. We don't like what we don't know we don't like the ambiguous we hate the unknown we are fearful of the unknown there's nothing more fearful out there and if you look at all the movies the the bad guy how many times have we seen the bad guy with out form or with some kind of deformed face you know it's that guy from harry potter voldemort or it's sauron or it's The Joker, deformed face, because that is deep in our psyche. We do not like what we do not know. And therefore, you have to think about that when you present data to people. Do you present data with this naive realism bias that people understand data and consume it for what it is? Or do you present data understanding that without a story, they won't know the truth of that data? It's the same reason, for example, that we are more scared of sharks even though a deer, you know, Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer, is 200 times more likely to kill us if you're in the US. And yet we're not scared of deer because they don't have those horrible spiky teeth. And importantly, they don't operate in the shadows, the unknown, the formless that is the shark And that's the point. We kill two, sorry, 100 million sharks every year because we're scared of them, because we don't know. And that is the power of emotion. That if you are presenting data to your audience, your data is only as good as the story in which you frame it. Perhaps one of the best examples of this is the London Underground map the tube map or if you're a local the tube the tube map is a fantastic example of data storytelling because if you look at the tube map and if you walk from bank to saint paul's on the tube map it's actually very close but in reality it's quite far and if you go further out on the northern line for example the stops between the lines on the tube map are equidistant but in reality they're becoming miles and miles of distance and that's the point because whoever created the tube map realized that actually it wasn't about the purity of the data it wasn't about creating a geographically accurate map because nobody was going to get off at one tube station and walk to another. That was quite rare. What was important was the story and the user story of how am I gonna use this data? And in almost all cases, people were using the tube map to know where do I get off? What's my next stop? Am I on the right line? Am I heading in the right direction? What didn't matter was the distances, the geographical purity of the data between A and B and C. So if you look at the tube map, the way it's organized is simplicity. It's a story. It's a beautiful presentation of data, yet geographically inaccurate. And the data purist will fight that because they'll say it's all about data. And what they'll fail to realize nobody cares about data. People only care about solving the problem that they have. And if your data can help them do that, that's all that matters. And that, everybody, is storytelling. Not once upon a time, but understanding the problem and Packaging the problem in a narrative that your audience will already understand. And through that narrative framework, delivering a solution. So if you were to look at Steve Jobs as an example, when he launched the iPod, one of the most successful consumer electronic gadgets of all time, he didn't present it as an MP3 player. There were already MP3 players on the market, creative made many here in Singapore. But he used a narrative frame to help people understand what this data meant to them and therefore unlock the human API and pitch the product through the mainline to human consciousness. It wasn't an MP3 player. It was a narrative frame that we understood for hundreds, maybe thousands of years. And the best stories, again, are the most simple. The iPod was a tool for the heart.